Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party 101 ESPN. It's driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Munganass, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. That's Jackson Bennett Burkett wearing a TPC Scottsdale hat today. I like that hat. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Jeremy Rutherford's going to talk about your hat coming up at 1045. We also have the Little Piddles Weekend Wrap-Up, and we welcome you to participate in the show by texting in the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, or by joining in the uh, YouTube chat and seeing what's doing in the YouTube chat, Jackson. So that's what we got coming up here over the next hour on Balloon Party. What's going on with you? I need to know what's going on with you. Yeah, I just did a show with you for three hours, but you're in your little Horton Watkins studio, so I don't know what's going on with you. I guess more in the hat. You know, these uh, this kind of hat, they call it a rope hat. Rope hat. Rope here where the brim and the uh, crown meet. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually not into that. It's usually a shorter brim, but I've gotten... I, you know, kind of like the rope hat? I'm kind of getting into it. I really like a snapback look over a fitted cap. I don't know where you're at with that, but an adjustable, and not just any adjustable. I prefer snapback. the snapback as well. Yeah. yeah. The little, I have some fitteds. I prefer the snapback. Right, because, you know... Uh, your head size can change based on hair situations or whatever. I just prefer the snapback. Well, I prefer that as well. Plus, I'm used to wearing my hats down low. That goes back to playing poker and hiding my eyes, even though I think my tell was a throbbing vein in my left side of my neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I've got pocket kings. And then all of a sudden, my vein is throbbing and people just own my soul. So that's why you bring out the turtleneck. Once again, the turtleneck, turtleneck makes a return. Turtleneck and a ball cap. Yeah. <laughs> That's my look. Uh, Droid Effects is in there. Tiny Peepee's in there. Bach Hog. Do you pronounce it John Shanzi or Shanzel? Let's go with Shanzel. Uh, he says, yes, the weather has been awesome, and I agree with John Shanzel. Oh, yeah. Boy. It's been choice. It was glorious. Did yesterday. you ball strike? Uh, yesterday. Yeah, oh, where'd you play? Did you play it, the log? Uh, log was filled up. Um, log and bogey were both filled. That's tough. So you guess you had to fall back to St. Louis? Yeah, yeah, I played the the executive nine and uh, yeah, made a real quick day out of it. No, it was gorgeous yesterday. Perfect day for playing golf or just hanging out outside and more of the same. Where was the, the pin placed on that famous green? Uh, right on the uh, right on the shelf. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. But, you know, real ball strikers like me, we get right around that. Nice, real nice. Jackson's still taking hell. He took some more from, on TMA for the... Miracle on Ice. Yeah, I think people are misconstruing it. That, like, I think. <laughs> or would you like to issue a clarification five days later? Uh, yeah, like, I'm not saying that the NBA All Star game is more important <laughs> than the Miracle on Ice game. It's not even a question. I don't think anyone in their right mind would tell you otherwise. I, you, the question that was posed to me was, which would you rather watch in person? And it's a no doubt answer for me. 
But that doesn't mean that like I think the game is insignificant or I'm The best part about this whole thing to me, and there are a lot of great things about <laughs> it, is that you are so sincere and there's no chance you will ever back off of this. No, no, because that's like if you're asking me what I prefer to watch, that's the answer. And that's where it should stop and end. Like it has no bearings on whether the game is important or not, or how good or bad the All-Star. I don't care about talking about that. I'm not interested in talking about that. The question was posed to me, which would you prefer to watch in person? I gave my answer. That's not saying that, not trying to diminish the significance of the Miracle on Ice game. I understand probably, if not the most important moment in American sports history, right up there. What else would be there? Oh, man. Mm, I'm trying to think. I mentioned last week in 1936 when Jesse Owens won in, in Germany in the Olympics there. That was a very important moment. Uh, Jackie Robinson, I would put right up there. I would say, I'm trying to think of like a boxing one. That's not like Rocky, but you know, Rocky in a way is kind of an important American sports moment. Um, but the Miracle on Ice, you could easily make the claim it's the most important, and I wouldn't disagree with you. So if that takes some of the heat off me, I don't really care. I'm just telling you like where I'm at. The Miracle on Ice thing is an absolute debacle. Jackson has to stop. That's from the six three six. Stop what? What, what am I? What did I start? I didn't. I. I uh, did you like not listen to like the last minute and a half of what I just said? Because if you did, that then you'd have no opinions. It you can like, leave a okay. mic drop if you'd like to yeah, use the little ESPN mic drop. We'll make sure to our uh, app and we'll make sure to play it. Jeremy Rutherford coming up at 1045. I peaked at the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up, so I'm segueing into this. All right. And I can't wait to go down this road with the audience because I'm really curious where people are on this topic. But go ahead, Jackson. Set it up, ladies and gentlemen. Jackson Bennett Burkett still on a high from eight days ago, the NBA All-Star game. Here it is, the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. Uh, so the Blues lose on Saturday, Jim Tim, Dandy. 6-1 to one to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, tough, tough game. Nice. Early morning on the, uh, on the puck drop. But it seems like Jordan Cairo is a bad developing situation if the situation isn't developed already. How concerned are you about the future of the young forward? What do you think is the best and worst case scenario with number 25? Uh, I'll take the second one last and the first one first. Um, <laughs> the uh, situation is really bad and uh, he didn't uh, make an appearance or maybe a handful of minutes in the third period. Of course, Robert Thomas didn't make much of an appearance either in the third period and the Blues uh, we're already getting worked over. That was a rare case where you're going, oh, wow, 3 nothing. We're not even halfway through the first period. And Detroit just was putting it on. It really did remind me. I know you weren't around, even though uh, I know that uh, you may not have been watching, even if you had been around. But there was a time when the Blues would go to Detroit in the 90s, and you'd just be like, oh, God. You just know you could get it put on you. And that's what that reminded me of, even though at Joe Lewis Arena, it's not where they are anymore, but uh, that was reminiscent of it, just not with uh, lacking the, the Hall of Fame names that littered that lineup. And uh, the, I'm like, my God, this is like a time warp from 25 years ago. So, alas, uh, it was a rough one all across the board, but this is the thing. Kairou comes off of a game on Thursday against the Islanders. You're like, man, even though Bennington had the shutout, and he was really the reason why they probably won that thing. Uh, Butchnevich has the hat trick. Kairou was all over the place setting those things up, and then he reverses form, and away they go. So, with all of that said, 
I continue to think it is the biggest issue facing the Blues because it isn't just a short-term issue. I think it was an issue to play the role in the demise of Craig Berube, and he is on the books for a long time at a high price. So with that said, I was texting with my compadre, and uh, that's Kevin Lorenz, who uh, oftentimes uh, we text on Mondays since JR comes on and will be with us at 45. And I asked him this question, and I honestly thought, he was going to go below 50%. So I was like well below 50%. I said, what percentage chance would you give that the Blues trade Cairo? And he said, 52% by this summer, 60% before his no trade clause kicks in in 2025. Uh, It goes up for me because I just don't see him figuring it out. So they'll get increasingly frustrated. That said, I don't see him dealt for value. I think it's reclaiming cap space and getting a prospect like Snuggerud comfortably into that role. And I said, and I wrote back to him and this was about an hour ago. We were texting. I said, I would think you and me are probably in the minority of blues fans thinking it's likely he gets traded again. 52% isn't saying it's a lock. It's just greater than 50%. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's true. But I think it's because they're looking at the skills slash production and not at the off ice stuff that we might be more slightly clued into and the organizational behavior of really holding this guy accountable and not seeing any growth from doing so. One thing that stands out for me is you see a lot of irresponsible skill guys like that thrive in garbage time where the systems break down and they get to showcase their skill. He checks out in those situations and is usually a factor in why the team is in a hole in the first place. Uh, As an example, Tarasenko's two goals in Game 6 in 2016 against the Sharks, that is a really nice callback and I'm I'm sure some Blues fans may remember uh, that because he was nowhere to be found in that series. He had been bad all series and then started scoring when the game slash series was out of reach and they were desperate. So I just think when you have those kinds of dollars tied up and you got a guy who maybe could uh, be viewed as someone who could get that change of scenery bump and change of situation bump, change of room bump, I just it strikes me as being a, a, something that's good for both parties. And I really hope it happens. Uh, now, this answer surprised me, Jackson. I know this is pivoting off your uh, Cairo question, but it's staying along the lines mm-hmm. of the blues. I, I, and I'm, I'm asking the audience here to text in your answers or to, to answer it in the YouTube chat. Percentage you think Cairo gets traded at some point before the no trade clause kicks in. So that doesn't mean by March 8th. But percentage that Buchnevich gets traded by March 8th, the trade deadline. And I think it's super likely I mean, I, God, I, and so the Nonling who is on is with me on the Cairo trade again. Not saying it's a lock, but at fifty two percent, he goes forty eight percent that Buchnevich gets traded, and he says just because Army doesn't have to move him yet, uh, and he's using the Shattenkirk blueprint again. And I made reference to that last year how Shattenkirk was out there for a year and a half, but he didn't trade him until the following year, and then got Zach Sanford. Uh, and a first for it. So, uh, with that all said, I, I'm, I'm going Cairo getting traded at 70%. But again, that's not like now. Uh, that's not in the next 10 days, to be clear. On the next 10 days, that's the question and the percentage I'm looking for from the audience. So I'm looking for two percentages. Bushnevich, I'm like at 75%. And I'd, be, I'd really be surprised if he wasn't, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be at that level. But I realize also that I tend to be more on the side of selling than many St. Louis sports fans. Mm-hmm. 
But if it ain't going to happen, move on and get value. And I guess we just haven't seen a lot of that around here with the exception of what took place last year with the Blues. It just hasn't been commonplace. But it isn't going to happen. I just, I mean, listen, I want it to happen. I'd be happy to play this segment back in June when they're having the parade down market. I just don't see it happening. And so get something for him uh, when his value may be super high because he may be one of the best available at his position. And then the Cairo thing, God, I think that is, I mean, that's that's of the utmost importance. There couldn't be a more important player in St. Louis sports to trade than Jordan Cairo for the future of his particular team, which sounds so counterintuitive considering what he's making. Yeah. It's nothing personal. I just don't think it's going to work out. And I kind of view it like the Cardinals unloading Alan Craig when he was a declining asset. Uh, so from that standpoint, that's where I am. Where are you on it? 314-399-9646. We'll ask Jeremy Rutherford what he thinks. He'll join us at 1045 on the other side of the break. More from Jackson Bennett Burkett and his little piddles. We can wrap up. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. Jeremy Rutherford joining us at 1045. You're welcome to send in questions for JR if you would like by texting in the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. And of course, the YouTube chat on the 101 ESPN channel. Uh, our studio camera sponsored by the Air Alliance team. A uh, number of people on board with the perspective of trading Cairo. I kind of thought there'd be a good amount of resistance to that, but uh, people are on board with that. And also a number of people think uh, the the Blues will trade Buchnevich by the trade deadline next week. That's where I am. And to be clear on the Cairo conversation, that's not saying by next Friday. Um, but man, I would love to see it with, with both. None of it's personal. That's just observing what the situation is and also um, what the spot is around the league um, with the desire for forwards. And with that said, uh, the hockey news with the story uh, saying that there is a belief growing that the Penguins extend Jake Gunsel. So from that standpoint, uh, if that is the case, then that puts the Blues in an even better spot. So we will uh, talk that over with Jeremy Rutherford coming up at 1045. Meanwhile, here is Jackson Burkett with his second question for the Little Piddles Monday weekend wrap-up. Playing out the hand for the Cardinals this year and assigning arbitrary percentages... What do you think the chances are that they bring up one of these young pitchers to get consistent starts in that fifth spot for the rotation? Would you say this is the most important thing this season to, to develop the young arms for the future to match some of the other young players in the field? Now, when you're talking about the young pitchers, which ones are you talking about? Are you going deep or are you going... The, the certain, like the guys who you think would be next up, McGreevy, Graceffo, Tink, Hentz, okay. Libertor. I didn't know if you were liking the Thompson talk. No, no, no. Okay. Um, maybe one gets a spot start. I don't think, I don't, th- I, because I think they're going to win the Central. I mean, again, not like, man, this is a great team. I just think, oh, this division. Although there's Cody Bellinger going to the Cubs, three yep. years, 80 million. Maybe that changes some of the arithmetic. Got to take a look at, did you look at the odds on the National League Central and how much that moved it? I did I not. It moved, I bet it moved it a little bit. Yeah. Either way, point being, to answer your question, they got innings eaters. Yep. They got healthy guys. I mean, Matt's is whatever, but, uh, 
I, I, I would, I would put the arbitrary percentage if, if you're set, if saying it, it counts at five starts combined amongst sure. those guys. Uh, I would say eighteen percent. Okay, I was going to go in the twenty-five percent. All right, so we're in the we're in the relative range. I, I just think uh, the situation with Johan Oviedo a, fr- a few years ago has really scared the Cardinals off from bringing yeah. young pitchers up quickly. With no um, bullpen support. That's what that one was. Yeah, referencing bringing up Oviedo, who's got maybe it was a little early to bring him up, and I think it kind of rattled his confidence, as we've seen uh, for the rest of his career. But I, I do think it is so important. So they're not in a situation where they got to spend $10 million a piece for guys like Lennon Gibson when you theoretically could get similar production, if not better, with higher ceilings out of guys who you're paying $1, 2000000 million at most. You know? So I think that is the future of the team, is getting guys up there like that and help bolster the pitching staff. You know, If Tink Henson, McGreevy, and Graceffo play to their ceiling, it could be really, really dangerous. National League Central odds, Jackson. Yeah. A lot, it's been pulled a, from the board? It's been pulled from the board. Oh, wow. A, bell dra- a lot of people, a lot of the insiders are, are high on the Reds. The Reds are the one I've seen a lot of uh, support for. Yeah, my uh, data nerd guy who, boy, I'll tell you, I mean, it's, just because he hits often doesn't mean that he hits all the time. Let me be clear. But uh, sent out... Uh, his numbers last week for the biggest discrepancy between a team's projections and where his projections mm-hmm. are. Uh, the biggest discrepancy as far as like a Las Vegas total. So, for example, the A's win total is set at 56 and a half. <laughs> a lot of enthusiasm in the East Whoa. Bay uh, as they decide where they're even going to play <laughs> in the next couple of years, much less how they're going to play. Uh, and he's got them at the biggest discrepancy because he's got them winning 67 games. It's like, oh, wow, big discrepancy. And they're still winning 67 games. But it's much greater than... Yeah. So if you're interested Good in an over to ship yeah. and the biggest discrepancy on the other side, the Reds. Mm. Uh, their team total is 82 and a half. And he's got him at 76 wins. Oh, wow. So a minus six and a half. And since this guy has just been so strong, I do cite that. This uh-huh. isn't just like a guy who's like trying to get a TikTok following and just throwing crap out there. Right. I mean, he's impressive, man. Uh, with regard to the Cardinals, uh, their number is 84 and a half, and he has them winning 84.4. So there you go. <laughs> that one's on that. on. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, as far as the National League Central goes, now this was pre-Bellinger. He's got the Cubs at uh, 78.5. Uh, he's got the Pirates at 75. And who have I not said yet Brew from crew. the National League Central? That is correct. The Brewers, he's got them at 81.4. So therefore, the Cardinals win the Central. Oh, boy. Yeah, and with some some room. That's uh... yeah, three games over the Brewers. I mean, it's such a... Yeah, it's total crapshoot. It's so dependent well, it's like on crap is a good word. It's totally dependent on what you're going to get out of guys like Sonny Gray and Michaelis, and to an extent, either Leonard Gibson. Someone, one of the two of those three are going to have to have as good of years as they've had in recent memory. I don't know how good they have to be in that division. I don't know. It's just such a different situation because of the division. Anyway, Jackson, uh, question three. All right. Well, that moves in perfectly because an interesting story over the weekend that affects the local nine was Cody Bellinger signing with the Cubs for what seems like less than what was expected. Bellinger was one of Boris's four, along with Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman. With this development... Do you think there's a case of Boris overplaying his hand? If you were Snell or Montgomery, would you be concerned with your status as we now are two weeks into spring training? I don't know how you couldn't be. Right. I have no idea how you couldn't be. Yeah. 
this is really surprising. I mean, we are approaching March, and you have the Cy Young winner sitting out there, and you have a guy who may have been, you know, top three as far as reasons why the Rangers won the World Series. So... Yeah, the former MVP just signing for essentially was a one-year deal. I mean, what a what a startling development. Yeah. So, yes, I would be very concerned if I were them. Yeah, I would say like the Bellinger market is a little different than what the market probably looks like for Snell or Montgomery. Having said that, they're not wearing a uniform at the moment, and that's a, kind of a problem yeah. considering they start playing games in the month. So, I mean, if I'm Montgomery or Snell, I'd be like, I guess we'll just take a one-year deal, kind of bridge contract. I think at this point, you probably go, okay, there's going to be an injury in spring training somewhere, and that's that's what they're counting on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... Uh, and maybe I'm like this is selective memory, but I just can't remember a situation where two guys of this stature, one former Cy Young winner and one who was instrumental on a World Series team, not be on a team this deep into the air. Well, it's not like pitching. We had Harper and Machado pitching. in 2019. That was that was what had Adam Wainwright saying on TMA. What got him into trouble? Although I appreciate it, it was very direct. Um, because he's talking about collusion, and he goes, people think there's not going to be a work stoppage. They're wrong. We are, we are ready to go after this stuff. So for Adam Wainwright to be pissed, that's saying something. Um, so I think that was probably the biggest example of it. But this is uh, certainly glaring, and I don't feel like it's getting as much attention as I would think it would. I think Maybe the Bellinger the thing, on that? kind of like, kind of like was like, it was like, oh, Bellinger signed. Oh, Scott Boris is one of his clients. Oh, he's like basically can go back into free agency after one year and taking less money than they thought. Right. Now people are like, oh yeah, Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell are still out there. It kind of unearthed it. But yeah, if you're like really into baseball, this has been the biggest story is that these guys can't don't have contracts at the moment. And are probably signing bridge contracts coming up. Oh, I, I don't. I mean, I don't, I'd be very surprised if otherwise, but who knows? Uh, let's see. Buster only tweeting this morning. The Red Sox had a Zoom meeting with Jordan Montgomery recently. He'd represent an upgrade for their 2024 rotation, and if signed to a long-term deal, could be part of the staff rotation. They certainly have the payroll flexibility to make it happen. Um, and uh, that's uh, the latest on Jordan Montgomery, who I feel like is just permanently... Trending on Twitter. Yeah. But just uh, with nothing new. All right, 1029 in St. Louis. We'll break. Jeremy Rutherford's joining us at 1045. You're welcome to send in your questions for JR. Uh, mine will be focused on uh, Jordan Cairo and uh, Pavel Buchnevich and the upcoming trade deadline. Yours are welcome at 314 399 or in our YouTube chat, the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acker, and Munganas Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Tim McKernan, Jackson, we're with you. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. It is driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Munganass, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. Uh, Jackson, Jeremy Rutherford will be with us in about 10 minutes. Uh, your next question on the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up focused on the retirement of one of the biggest names in football coverage. Yeah, Tim. Uh, news that hit me this morning. Uh, I did not see until literally this morning. Peter King has announced that he uh, is, done, is shutting it down. He had been writing his weekly column for about 27 years. Monday morning quarterback has been a staple in sports for more than a quarter century, and he is for sure an iconic sports writer. My question to you is in modern times in both the media landscape and the state of sports discourse, do you think a sports writer whose main content is print can still have a major foothold on the sports landscape? If so, do you think it is as uh, in vogue as ever? Do you think the nuanced analysis could still be there, or is it all going to be hot take stuff for prominence in print? I don't think it'll be all hot take stuff, but I do think that the days of, say, a Peter King, and that was kind of a must-read column for a number of years, um, I would think that, unfortunately... It's not likely that you will see something like that in the near future. Yeah. I don't know if something would change to make it more likely in the you know next 10 years as opposed to the next couple of years, but I just don't think that there's anything like that in sports. Now, uh, I love reading Gabe Yarman stuff on Power Mizzou and the uh, Monday morning 10 things, I think. 10 Colin. thoughts on the Monday? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and look forward to it. And then during the college football season, he has his 10 thoughts on college football on Sunday mornings, if I'm not mistaken. So I personally like that, but... The reality is that's not where the industry is going. And so people such as Peter King are more likely to be in the uh, Take Smith, TikTok, Instagram reel business, YouTube, than, than writing a long-form column. I mean, he used to write like a 10,000-word column. Yeah. And yeah. his editor told him to see if he could cut it down to 6,000. He didn't like that uh, because he didn't know what he could cut out. Yeah. Yeah, I would. what I would say on that, is I think what used to be how important print and columns were has kind of shifted into podcasts. Because like you said, Pierre King used to write very long columns, 10,000 words. That has kind of transitioned into an hour, hour and a half long podcast where someone can give nuanced opinion, display personality that was once done in print, but do it via podcast because it's honestly just more digestible right now for the modern landscape. But writing is a different skill than totally than broadcasting. Now, I, I happen to be great at both. Right. I hope that doesn't come off arrogantly. The truth is the truth. Thank you. Um, but oftentimes, guys who are great writers aren't necessarily great broadcasters. Totally. And, and vice versa. So I don't think it's necessarily... Okay, if you would be a great writer, then you'd be a podcaster because I can't imagine too many people are reading, you know, their thoughts no, on a no, podcast. No, so, no. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, yeah, you're going. I mean, having written plenty of columns on InsideSTL.com uh, back in the day, it's a different it's a different process of because you can think through it more before you submit it. Um, and certainly that's not the case when you're just shooting from the hip with a podcast or in this case a radio show. Yeah. And I and in my statement I wasn't, you know, trying to say like, well, because you're a good writer doesn't mean obviously you're not just be automatically become a good podcaster. There's science to both of it. 
But what I would say is that what used to be an opportunity for writers to display personality in a column, give their opinions as opposed to just reporting on stuff, while that was once prominent, what the new kind of version of that is long-form podcasts where it's not interviews, but you just kind of displaying your thoughts. And while they're completely different skills, I think there is room for nuance to be very prominent. You look at some of the top podcasts out there, they're certainly not hot take style people who are doing it. They're giving nuanced opinions. I respect that, but your question wasn't about nuanced opinions. Your question was about you know, these kinds of columnists. Unless sure. I mistook your question, and no, if that's I, the case, I apologize the to you. And everybody at Ledoux. The basis of the question is, do you think there could be another Peter King out there and have a similar foot? Well, yeah. I mean, there are. Then in that sense, I would say Bill Simmons, you yeah, know, right. because he's got a Monday thing going. Yeah, and he used to be a columnist. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just I just don't think that you're going to see what, you know, like in St. Louis, we had Bernie's bits. That was something that was, you know, a Saturday staple mm-hmm. in St. Louis. Uh, that was going on when you were a oh, young yeah. tyke. Oh, yeah. And went back to, I, I don't know, probably the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something people would look forward to. And, I mean, Peter King's thing was an outlier because of how much he wrote. Holy crap. If you, you knew you were going to read Monday Morning Quarterback and then what became Football Morning in America, uh, you knew you had to set aside some time because it was so in-depth, but it also was so uh, so intricate in the details and the conversations he had it was it was a it was a totally different kind of experience and also people are able to just you know more people are able to enter the fray and then there i just don't know if people are going to have the kind of exclusive wouldn't be the right word but only a handful of people i think have the access that peter king had oh yeah and so he was the guy yeah that's the other side of this coin that i didn't bring up in the question is like what major outlet that's still, you know, doing print is going to like have that on there. And so maybe more so it's towards Substack where you're kind of putting out your own stuff to get that opinion out. Cause you know, I don't see a situation where ESPN.com is like here. Oh, thank you for this 8,000 right, word right. column. We'll put it right on the front page. The audience just isn't there probably for that. I don't know. I, I, I you're, 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 I believe you're right, but, um, I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I just don't think that's the way that people are consuming media for the most part right now. And so therefore, it wouldn't be a good business model for someone to go, okay, we're going to pay somebody X amount of dollars yeah. to write those kinds of columns. Your thoughts are welcome as Peter King announces his retirement this morning, 314-399-9646. Jeremy Rutherford joins us on the other side of the break. Looking forward to talking it over with him. You can send in questions you would like us to ask him. He is joining us next here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Munganas Burkhardt, Alton Toyota. One ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor. Welcome back. 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. The great Jackson Bennett Burkett here. And now Jeremy Rutherford makes it a wonderful, wonderful full day. Morning, Jer. Morning, morning. Not sure about that, but uh, oh, I'm here anyway. Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, JR, I'm going to come right out with guns a-blazing, brother. Percentage, <laughs> Jordan Cairo is traded by the Blues before his no-trade clause kicks in. That's a different timeline than this one. Percentage, the Blues trade, Buchnevich, uh, by this year's trade deadline. Two different timelines, two different players, similar theme. What do you got? What do you got? Arbitrary percentages. 
<laughs> it's funny, as I was listening to the show, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to have an answer for Tim on Cairo and Buchnevich, but I wonder if he's going to ask me for a percentage. And sure. <laughs> sure. Damn right. Yep, you're damn right that's where I'm going with it. What do you got? I can't wait to hear what you say. Sure, here we are. So in terms of Cairo, and I like the way you set up the questions, you know, we're being realistic with it. You know, not Cairo before this year's deadline. We're doing Cairo before the no trade kicks in. Uh, 2025, of course, players, when they get no trade clauses, they got to wait until they're 27 years old or seven years in the league. So, you know, I, here's what I think about Cairo. I would give that a 50 to 60% chance that he's going to be traded before the no trade clause kicks in. And that might be a little low for some. I just think that it, it's, it's right there in the middle, but I, I think this, I would be shocked if Jordan Cairo finishes his eight-year contract with the Blues in St. Louis. He might make it past the no-trade clause when it kicks in, and I realize that would give him control before that point, and that might not make a lot of sense to people, but I don't know that the Blues are going to be able to pull off a trade with Jordan Cairo between now and then, but once it does kick in, Tim, like Doug Armstrong always says, if we want to trade a player, regardless of if they got a no trade, we'll figure out a way to get it done. I would be shocked if he finishes the year contract in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. With, give me your thoughts on that, and then I'll give yeah, you Yeah, I, uh, I, I, sh- I could not agree with you more on that, on the, on the latter portion. And, uh, yeah, I'm in like the 67 70% range on Cairo being traded before the uh, no-trade clause kicks in. So I, I, I wonder, and, and I was texting, I was t- telling the audience, and you were listening, Kevin Lorenz he used to work on TMA, and we always text on, on Mondays in particular because he knows you're uh, going to be on Balloon Party, and we BS in the mornings. And I was surprised that he gave it a 52%. I am, of course, above 50% and closer to 70 And then Kevin was uh, 52. You're, you're in the 50 to 60 range. And, I, and maybe I'm off the mark on this, but... I would think Blues fans as a whole may be surprised to hear in particular you, somebody who's credible, whereas I'm just some kind of clown who occupies the air for an hour. But you have credibility, so I think people might be surprised to hear that. What what is your read on the fan base's thoughts on on Cairo in, in a trade? Well, it's interesting. I have a piece up today. It's the trade tiers, Blues trade tiers, and I did a paragraph on each player on the roster. And for Jordan Cairo, I divided it up. I said, hey, his fans are going to say they don't want to see him light the lamp for another team. And I think it's not a question with the other half of the fan base who would trade him uh, tomorrow. I think the situation with Jordan Cairo, Tim, you and I talked about it last week, and you talked about it earlier in the show today. He has an outstanding game, and then the next game, He's benched in the third period along with a couple other guys, and it's just too up and down with him in particular. I think that Robert Thomas went out of his way the night that Pavel Buchnevich had a hat trick, went out of his way to pump Jordan Cairo's tires and say that was a phenomenal game by Jordan Cairo. He pushed the line. He drove the play. He created the offense, and he did. He should have been given credit, but I think that's an effect that Robert Thomas is trying to have on, on, on Jordan Cairo. And, you know, at some point, it just has to lead to a string of consistency with Cairo, or they're going to look to find a way to move him. I suppose if I wanted to summarize, if I, were, if I actually were active on Twitter, I would sum it up like this. There's a 50% chance, at best, I think most would agree, by the way, there's a 50% chance Jordan Cairo lives up to the dollars he's being paid in this contract. But there's a 100% 
100% chance that the Blues are on the hook for the biggest contract that could really be an albatross for the franchise. And from that standpoint, if you're looking at it mathematically, I just feel like it's something they have to do, even though I realize it takes on risk that it could wind up biting them because of that skill set he has. Following up, I know you were about to answer the, the Buchnevich question. How do you view things? Perhaps things change uh, from day to day. The Blues entered the weekend in a playoff spot. Now they find themselves out of a playoff spot with a daunting set of 48 hours ahead of them. How do you view the Buchnevich situation in March 8th? But whenever I answer these questions, especially when you get closer to the trade deadline, I try to think about you know my years covering Doug Armstrong in the big picture. So, well, so, example, so I, Kevin and I were texting about that. And I don't think you and I have had this conversation, but maybe we have, and I've just forgot. But but the Shattenkirk being some kind of a of a potential parallel in the sense that you know he was out there for a while uh, before they actually moved him, and 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 you were just about to go into the long term strategy. Uh, so that's why I wanted to to frame it that yeah. way. I apologize for interrupting, but oh I, yeah, yeah, no. So please, yeah, I just think I, I just think with the big picture, you, you have to look at Doug Armstrong the big picture. So you know, let's let's say that this trade deadline passes, and now it's March eighth, ninth, and we're talking to uh, Doug Armstrong. Hey, did you know? Did you find out in the last week about your team? No, I've felt what I feel about this team for the past month and a half, and I've been in dialogue with a lot of teams about certain players, and this is why we did what we did. So big picture, that's how Doug Armstrong operates. The other thing that I've learned about Doug over the years is that. You know, these conversations go on for, you know, months and even years with some of these players. You know, Jay Bolmeister, we talked about that trade for months and months and months. You know, Matthew Kachuk, even though it didn't come to fruition, you know, we were talking about that for months and months. And, and I think that's the situation. So I don't think that Doug Armstrong is just going to decide this week that, oh, that's a great trade offer for Pavel Buchnevich. I'm going to make that deal. The difference that we need to keep in mind with the trading Paul Stastny's and the trading of Kevin Shattenkirk's at the deadline was those were expiring contracts. And with Pavel Buchnevich, there's another year. So not only is there a chance to potentially make the playoffs with a Pavel Buchnevich on the roster this year, but there's also a chance to see what everybody else is going to offer this offseason for Pavel Buchnevich. And, you know, maybe it gets into a situation where things turn for the better for the team and Pavel Buchnevich wants to stay here and you resign him. I just don't see Doug Armstrong, based on history, making that snap move Unless, I mean, you're talking a package that he just can't turn down. What about the the market and how that could impact things around the NHL and teams desperate to bring on somebody to help them out and there just isn't a lot of supply this year? I think that is a factor when you talk about Jake Gensel being probably the, the best winger available on the market. Then you have a... Uh, Pavel Buchnevich, you know, you had the Ryan Whitney tweet about uh, Brady Kachuk potentially being available. So I I think the scarcity of wingers in the market could be to the Blues' advantage if they're listening to offers on Pavel Buchnevich. But I just don't think it's going to be that much different in the offseason because teams are going to have more cap space. And if you decide that, yes, we're going to move Pavel Buchnevich, we're not signing him to an eight times eight contract, you know, when his contract's up. I still think you're going to have suitors in the offseason. They're going to have more cap space, and I don't think the offers are going to be that much better than they are right now. 
that would lead Doug Armstrong to believe I have to do it now because it's just not going to be there in the summer. Jeremy Rutherford with us here on Balloon Party. It's 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan talking it over with JR. JR, uh, before we uh, got into our conversation on the Blues and the trade deadline, I was talking about Peter King, and he announced his retirement this morning after writing Monday morning quarterback for decades and also writing in the NFL for 44 years. He is 66 years old. And uh, Jackson and I were talking about the long-form column and uh, whether or not there is a long-term future for the long-form column. Uh, what is your opinion? Yeah, first of all, it's an interesting conversation. I love listening to it, and I, I feel like I have a bit of a perspective here because uh, I left the newspaper industry and, and joined The Athletic. And when we first started up at The Athletic, that's what the that's what they wanted from us. They wanted the long-form, tell a story. It doesn't matter how long it is. I remember in the early days of The Athletic, 2017 for myself, Tim, I was writing stories and you know features that were almost 4,000 words. And slowly but surely, we've gotten that down to about 1,800 words. And for people, you know, maybe word count doesn't mean anything to you. But I think that in today's day and age, people don't have a lot of time. Uh, also, a lot of people read the stories on their phone. And if you think about yeah. scrolling through, yeah. through, your, through your phone, you're not going to continue going on and on. We've taken those mailbags that we used to do at 4,000 words and cut them into two parts, part one, part two, and now they're about 2,000 words each. You get a lot more people to, uh, to, to read those. And, and, and so I think that there's still an ability to write long-form writing. It just can't be what you're talking about in the days of the Peter King with 10,000-word columns. So I, I do think we've probably seen uh, the last of that, but I will say this. When I write a story that's a feature story, 2,000 words, you get the comments, this is why I subscribe to The Athletic. This is what I want from sports writing. I, I want these long-form feature pieces. Uh, you're not going to get as many comments on those. The comments are going to come from the hot takes or the trade tiers or things like that, but that's just people voicing their uh, their two cents. So, we only have one uh, minute left. Was there research that The Athletic conducted that said, hey, we, we need to get away from the 4,000 words and cut them in half, or how did how did that transpire? Yeah, I think The Athletic did a lot of homework, but also when we were purchased by the New York Times about a year ago, they've done all the homework for a decade plus, sure. and uh, you know that the, the sweet spot is right there at about 1,800 words in terms of the max length. Good. Good knowledge. All right, there it is. Uh, that's good perspective, JR. Yeah, the 10th, I mean, I would, I mean, the Peter King thing, it'd be like, I can't wait to read it, but I don't know if I'm going to have enough time between now and starting the right. the morning after with, uh, with how in-depth it was. Um, but I, I personally love it. I just gather that the masses aren't necessarily looking. I think that observation on people reading on their phones is is right on target. That's just pragmatic there. Yeah, it just drops off a cliff after you get to 2,000 words yeah. or so in terms of people that stay engaged. Interesting. JR, always appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation. As always, Jeremy Rutherford on throughout the week here on 101 ESPN on Wednesday on TMA. And we'll be monitoring closely JR's work as the trade deadline approaches. Thank you, JR. Thanks, Tim. There he is. That's Jeremy Rutherford with us. And that wraps up today's program. For Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Monganass, St. Louis Acura, and Monganass Burkhardt Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.